Thank you, and, and thank you, the Commission, for making us feel so welcome. And, uh, yeah, it's been a real privilege, a real journey that we've been on, um, particularly over the last 18 months, which I might touch on little bits of that story as we go along. But Christine and I used to work for a charity called Prospects, um, which some of you may know of. Prospects merged with another charity called Livability. And, well, God began just niggling away at us about where do you stand on things? What are you going to do? How do you take what God has given us, a passion for adults with learning disability, and move it in new and different directions? Well, that was May last year. And I can honestly tell you that Christine and I, just the two of us, now have more work than I used to have when I was working for Prospects, which is kind of scary, really. Um, but it's also exciting because God is up to stuff that we keep finding around corners. And it's like he ambushes us and said, look, there's, there's something else. So my name's Pete Windmill, as you've just heard, and uh, I, we don't give ourselves titles under this grand thing of co-founders and co-partners of Count Everyone In. And why Count Everyone In? Well, look at the logo. I think it, well, I hope it does. It says it all. It's whoever we are. Wherever we are, it's under the authority and the, the centeredness of Jesus upon what we do. And oh look, it's a church with no walls. Let's get out there and let's share that good news with whoever will listen and be part of it. So this title for this seminar is very grandly called Not Lose Loops and Ramps. And I know it's not just loose loops and ranks. See, I struggle with even getting my tongue around it. Nice, easy title. And it's all about making church accessible for people with learning disabilities. But as a caveat there, by doing it, I believe that you'll make the church accessible to whoever. And we make a lot of assumptions in church about what people understand, what they get about this amazing faith that we have, about this amazing Lord that we serve, and we use language and all sorts of things that actually is really complicated. We've made up our lang own language, and we expect everybody else just to get it. And I've often said, I wonder, did you worship your potentate this morning? What does ineffably sublime mean? What are rolling spheres? Are they snooker balls? And all hail the Lamb? There's some nice sheep out there, isn't there? Um, we assume that everybody won't understand words like this. But you know, the cry of the human heart, every human heart, is to belong. is to be part of something. And we are created, every single one of us, to be in community. And what I've just said to you is actually part of something that I was uh, developing, just a 10-minute video clip for a conference for the Methodist Church. And it really hit us that the cry of the human heart is for community. What happens if we push people aside from that? What happens if we don't help people to feel part of what's going on? We're actually excluding them from something that is the cry of the human heart to belong to be part of something. Now, I can remember being in gangs at school, not gangs like we hear about today, you, you know, I'm not that bad, but two or three of us. Do you know, there was always a problem with three. Can you ever remember that? Two was great. 
But when there were three, did you often find that two started ganging up on the one and suddenly you felt excluded again? Yeah, but they were my mates. They were the ones that I got on with. But suddenly, and hey, I was just as much to blame. Don't, you know, I'm not Lily White. We'd suddenly, we'd fall out with the other one and two would become against the other one. And you know, we can do that in our churches by the way that we deal with people who walk through the doors. We don't mean to. It's not a heart to do that, but we can do it so easily. I wonder, as you look at your church and look at the community around it, do you know that for every 1,000 people in that community, 20 of them are likely to have a learning disability? Out of every 1,000, 20 are likely to have a learning disability. So it's all levels. Yeah. Yeah, it does, although we tend, because of what we do, dyslexia comes into it, and I'll explain something of that a little bit later, because I'm pointing at that Bible over there. But that is actually quite sobering. If you as a community are passionate about those that live around, can you imagine those 20? They have family. They have friends. They have people that they work with or live with. It's not just those 20. It begins to expand more and more people. My old boss in Prospects did a thousand mile walk one year and every day he was walking 20 miles and then in the evening we'd have a celebration and we'd talk about the work of what we did and how we wanted to wake up the church to welcoming and accepting adults with learning disability in the life of the church. And it was really strange. I can remember on an old, where a wooden hill fort used to be outside Swindon. And Tony, I'd met up with him, and on his back he had a sign wherever he walked, and it said, I'm walking a thousand miles. Why not ask me why? And this guy said to him, so what are you doing it for then? And he started to explain about we were sad that so often in church and society, people with learning disabilities are excluded. I won't repeat what he said. Expletive, expletive, expletive. Yes, they do. That's what happened to me. Now, we only heard his side of the story. Okay, there's always two sides. But they had a child who, by the sounds of it, was quite disruptive. And the church couldn't cope, and so he felt that they were being pushed away. No, I'd say felt. That was his perception of what was going on. So we had a good chat. But then I remember another day preaching in a church and talking about what does the Bible say about uh, who we are as being human beings. And at the end of the service, this guy came to the front and he said to me, so it's all right to have a son with learning disabilities then? And I said, yeah. And his mate who'd come with him that I knew looked at him and said, what? And then he looked at me straight in the eyes and he said, I have a son and he's 16. And he looked at his mate and he said, I'm sorry, I never told you. Because I felt you'd all turn me away. Now you said, that doesn't happen today. Sadly, it does. 
And you and I have the privilege of turning the church around, of very kindly and very lovingly of educating people. You see, I can't really talk, and I'll tell you a bit about my story a little bit later on. But I came, although I was in church leader, from a place where I would shun people who seem different. Oh, I teach about the fact that we're all equal. I teach about the fact that we're all welcome into God's church. But God had to deal with me to understand. Okay, here's a question. I'd like you to try and talk to each other for just for a few minutes. What does it mean to be human? I love throwing out easy questions. Go on, have a go. Just for a few minutes, talk to each other. What does it mean to be human? Any ideas? What does it mean to be human? Conscience and consciousness. Have a human DNA. What does that mean? <laughs> Absolutely. No, 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 no. We haven't got time. Well, I, yeah. Any, anybody else? But... Relationship, yeah? Anything else? Ability to have empathy. Okay. Sorry? To think. Wow. Sense of humor, yeah. Able to make choices. Exactly. Do you know, thank you. Do you know that's exactly right? Because, and we all make choices in different ways. We can sometimes work it out, but you know, there are times, uh, you know, there's a lot going on in our life at the moment, and believe me, there are choices we have to make. And my head is so full of stuff at the moment that I'm struggling to make those choices. And they've got to be good choices. So they're all things that we think about when we think about being human, but what does the Bible have to say? Be a good place to look, wouldn't it? In Genesis 1 and verse 27, it says this, and I'm actually reading, and I'll explain why later, but from the New International Reader's Version, Accessible Edition. And I'll, it's a long title, but it is accessible, honest. It says this, so God created man in his own likeness. He created him in the likeness of God. He created them male and female. What an amazing thing for us to try and understand. 
created in his own likeness. Look at yourself. Look at each other. This is getting scary, this session, isn't it? I'm now asking not just to talk to each other, but to look at each other. Do you all look the same? Thankfully not. We're all different, aren't we? So does that mean I'm human and you're not because you don't look like me? No, it doesn't. We're different. We're different. I am not God, you'll be pleased to know. But I am created in his image. I've got something of God in my DNA. He's created me to be as I am. I have thoughts. I have emotions. I'm made for communication and relationship. Now, even in that, with what you've just been saying, there are problems. There are challenges. Because when we think of communication, we're thinking about what I'm doing now. I'm speaking. What about some of the amazing guys that Christine and I and others of you have had the privilege of working with that don't speak? But boy, do they communicate. Boy, do they communicate. And suddenly, through their rise and the things that they do, you begin to see God if you look. And it is amazing. Now, I would say I'm not creative. But there are others, when they hear me do things, that would say I am creative. But the trouble is, I look at somebody else who I think is brilliant at being creative and think, oh, I'm not like that. But I do create things. Every one of us does to different degrees. Isn't that amazing? Well, don't you think it is? Come on. Yes, no? Yes, you can get excited, honest. Psalm 139, probably one of my favorite psalms. Verse 13 and 14, the psalmist says this, You created the inmost parts of my being. You put me together inside my mother's body. How you made me is amazing and wonderful. I praise you for that. What you have done is wonderful. I know that very well. Well, what, you di- what did you think? What did you think when you got up this morning out of your sleeping bag? When you looked in that mirror, did you think, wow, that is amazing? Or was it, that's amazing? <laughs> you see, so often we have a wrong attitude about ourselves. God has created us. We are amazing. You know, if you walk out of this tent now, just take that with you, will you? You are amazing. You are created in the image of God. You've been formed in your mother's womb. Why? Because of him. He does it all. And yet so often, and I, hey, I've lost, I, I'm not saying this to boast in that sense, but I am quite chuffed. I've lost three and a half stone in weight since last October. Believe me, I suddenly realised when a friend who happened to have a swimming pool, which was rather nice, invited us to go round and swim. And I went, yeah, let's go. Now, Christine, probably, if she was honest, was surprised because I haven't really gone swimming for a long time. Because I didn't like what I saw. And I pulled on those swimming shorts and I went swimming and it was only as I was swimming I thought, 
I know what's been holding me back. I didn't like myself. And suddenly I was in a different place. But I'd started from the wrong place. Because Jesus says, I was wonderful. And he says, I am wonderful. I'm reminded of another scripture. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and love him with all of your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. How many of you struggle with loving yourself, let alone loving your neighbor? And you're probably thinking, where on earth is he going? I thought we'd come to talk about church and disability. We are. You see, unless we learn to love ourselves as God has created us, it makes it very difficult for us to love our neighbor. Doesn't mean we can't. But you know what? It's a whole lot different when we get a right perspective of ourselves. I have a friend who joined me, funnily enough, when I was preaching some years ago down the road here in Exeter at Riverside. And it was during this walk that my old boss was doing. And I won't tell you who she is because she doesn't live that far from here. Had difficulty in walking, often used a wheelchair. And she was there and I was preaching away about what the Bible has to say and talking about adults with learning disability. And suddenly, from the front row, she looks at me and winks. Leapt up, leapt up as far as she was able to. Turns around and looks at the congregation and she's very difficult to understand. But what she said was, Pete's my friend, but he just said something I don't like. He said that I have a learning disability. And she came out with this profound statement. I'm not a bit of luggage with a label on it, left on a platform in a station, so you know what to do with me. I'm a person that Jesus loves and created. Then she turned around and winked at me again, turns back to the congregation and goes, he just said that so that you would understand. I wonder who's got the learning disability. She had a right perspective about herself and people who care for her will often say the most amazing time is being with her first thing in the morning when she puts worship tapes on and she worships the Lord and they just get transported to heaven as they worship with her. Do you love yourself? Do you know that God created you? Do you know that he's worth living for and reaching out and touching the lives of others for? Because if you do, then we can begin the journey. You see, the challenge is, what do we think about ourselves and others around us? Some people have disabilities. Does that make them any less human? Some people have learning disabilities. Does that make them any less human? My mother had a serious accident when she was a child. And she ended up being one of the first people in the UK to have a steel pin put in her hip. And they couldn't put a joint in those days. So she had one leg that was stiff, locked, and four inches shorter than the other one. And at the age of nine, she was quite boldly told that she would never get married, never have a family, and never hold down a job. 
And this was somebody who wanted to be a belly dancer. Well, as you can see, I am the wonderful product of my mother and my father, and I have a younger brother as well. And she never did, and I'm not a belly dancer either, no, that's for sure. But you see, my mum was told she couldn't do all these things, but my mum knew Jesus. And she knew with Jesus she could overcome all things with his strength. But when she got older and dementia began to set in, and she got to the point where she had to use a wheelchair, suddenly this person who had become a senior teacher in a primary school, it was, Pete, what does your mother want? Go, would you like to ask her? Yeah, but no buts, ask her. She can answer. And when behold, mum used to answer them quite clearly. But suddenly, because she'd ended up in a wheelchair and the dementia had become, she wasn't able to answer for herself, was she? I wonder, do we do the same at times? Make assumptions about what people can or cannot take in. So learning disability, what is that? Well, there's so many different things. It could be that they struggle with learning new things. It could be communication, that it's not quite as we would do it. Maybe managing money. It may be reading. It may be writing. It may be personal care. And learning disability can be graded in different ways, although I'm glad to say it's not being done quite as well as much as that now. But learning disability is not to be confused with dyslexia or mental health problems. How many times have I done a seminar on learning disability? But you didn't mention mental health. It's not what I was talking about. I was talking about a learning disability. Does it mean that people with learning disability don't have mental health issues? Yes, they do. And we need to be more and more aware of that. As people are living out in the community and they're on their own, they're getting lonely. What a surprise, the rate of mental health issues are going up. And as churches, we need to be aware of that because what did we start talking about at the beginning? We're built for community. We're built to be with people. Now, I know some, don't, Christine would far rather be on her own at times than I would. We have a good relationship, honestly. But I'm far more likely to want to be with people and around people and Christine would so much more prefer her to have time on her own and space on her own. We're different. But we're still human beings. We're still part of God's family. Menkamp describes dyslexia as a learning difficulty because unlike learning disability, it does not affect the intellect. Mental health problems can affect anyone at any time and may be overcome with treatment, maybe, which is not true of a learning disability. Some common learning disabilities, all these names. Christine and I tend not to label people, all right, but I'm going to do it for the sake of today. And we don't do it because we prefer that we look at the person, look at the individual. What can we do to support them and encourage them and build them up? So often as churches, we do it with lots of people, but somehow, oh, they've got downs, okay, we know what to do. No, you don't. They're still an individual. There's still somebody that God loves and cares for and wants us to do the same. But it could be autism, it could be Asperger's, 
sometimes presenting as a learning disability. Cerebral palsy, a physical disability, sometimes also associated with a learning disability. Down syndrome, fragile X, which is an inherited disability. Do you know, the list goes on, and half of these, don't ask me for a definition, but global development delay, Prada will, <laughs> can't even say it, Willie syndrome, thank you, and Williams syndrome. They're all labels. They're all labels. And I know that we need labels if we want to get support and care and help in the community, if we want the funding that we need. But church, come on, they're individuals that God loves and God's care for. How are we going to, in community, help them to come to faith, to know who Jesus is and to grow in him too? We need to look at the individual and we need to love and care for them. I said that I had a story that came from a place where I didn't want to know. Prospects, many years ago, had just one person that uh, worked with adults learning disability in the church. And he was down leading a team at Spring Harvest at uh, Minehead, along with a very dear friend of ours who was leading worship. And during that time, Johnny Erickson Tata, I don't know if any of you know of her, but she was there and she saw what was going on. She's a paraplegic, by the way, an American lady, uh, has an amazing faith. But she saw what was going on and said to Tony, if you had more money, what would you do? And he said, well, that's easy. I'd employ somebody else. So she challenged him to raise 50% of a year's salary with all the stuff that was needed to go with it in two weeks. Then he could have the other 50% from her. Well, he raised the money in 10 days. And he said to my friend, who our friend, who was being made redundant, why don't you apply for the job? And he said, no, I know Manny can do it. He's not available, and he won't want it. So he comes back and tells me the story, looking me straight in the eyes. And I went, you mean me? And he said, yes. And I said, no. Because there's no way. Because do you know what? It freaked me out. It terrified me. We had a group in our own church. And I would do the leadership thing. Sorry, guys, those of you in leadership, not you're like me. But I used to creep in as special ones just to show my face and be part of it because it's what the church was engaged in and it was good that we were doing it, but don't ask me to be involved. And I'd slip away very quickly. Five weeks after this discussion, I got made redundant. And my friend goes, there you go. And I very arrogantly said, if God wants me to do it, he's got to make it clearer. So God did. Five days later, the advert in a magazine came through the door, and there's the advert. I said, okay, God, I give in. But why do we give God buts? You're going to have to change this, because I don't get it. You're going to have to change this, because I can't do this without a heart for it. Hey, a few gifts wouldn't go amiss either. Well, that was... 18 years ago, 16, it's a long time now. I've got the best job I've ever had in my life. I wish I'd given in earlier. <laughs> but you see, it's about beginning to understand who we are as human beings, not judging them by the way that we are. And the reason why I struggled was how could I have a conversation with somebody when they couldn't answer back? Or they couldn't argue with me? 
or grapple with me over things. You see, there's a scripture that you can read, and it's, I'm taking this one from the New International Reader's Version again. So from now on, we don't look at anyone the way the world does. I love that. We don't judge them by the way they look or the, the attitudes that they might have. From now on, we don't judge them the way the world looks at them. At one time, we looked at Christ that way, but we don't anymore. I used to look at Christ differently than I do today. But he was a great guy. Yeah, he did some amazing things. But now I know him. You see, and for me now, I know many people with learned disabilities. And do you know what? I have learned so much about God from them. So much. And it's so good to be around them. But what do we do as church? Well, we welcome people, don't we? You have a welcome team? Greet people as they walk through the door? Do you handpick the people that go on the door so that they'll give the right welcome? Somebody I know in a church up in Birmingham area. And the pastor loves seeing him on duty on the door. They'll come in. And they go, morning, how are you? And they go, fine, thank you. And they go, no, you're not. He's seen them coming over the car park in front of the church. And they'll go, no, you're not. And they look at the husband and look at the wife and they go, she needs a hug now. Now? And give her a kiss. And the pastor says, they're the best marriage guidance counsellors the church has ever had. Now, you know, I've often said if I did that, I'd probably get a punch on the nose. But actually his heart is, he sees what's wrong and he says it. You and I can be sometimes, sorry, I'm sure you're not. I can be too polite, all right? Instead of challenging, are you really all right? There's ways of doing it. But we need to welcome people. We need to try and engage in conversation. But please remember that not everybody wants to engage in conversation, even if they don't have a learning disability. Don't assume anything. Help people to know where to go and what to do. And by the way, be sensitive. And you know, many of us as Christians are very good, or not, at giving each other a hug. You know, I saw somebody earlier today, and I immediately, because I haven't seen them for ages, I went to give them a hug, and it was only as I gave them a hug I remembered, uh, they don't really like that. So I just said, sorry, I forgot, and they went, it's all right, I know you. <laughs> but, you know, we automatically want to do that, don't we? Because that's part of a relationship. But let's be sensitive, especially with vulnerable people, Offer to show people where to sit. It's a pet hate of mine when people get steered to where they're going to sit. You'd be happy here. No, actually, I want to sit over there. Well, encourage people. Perhaps sit with them if they're on. But remember what I said about Christine. She doesn't know she likes company, really. I'm just teasing. Sometimes people want to be on their own. And we need to give them space to do that. Explain what will happen in a church meeting. 
How many church meetings have I gone to preaching? And do you know what? I haven't got a clue when I'm meant to be standing up or sitting down. I haven't got a clue when I'm meant to be standing up in the pulpit. Or will they, are they happy with me like we're doing here, standing down with everybody else? And I'm the guy that's coming to preach. So goodness knows what, if you're a stranger in the church, you're not at least expecting to do something. Help people to know what's going to happen. Church is a very odd place, you know. I'd, this dear friend that I told you about earlier, he was brought up in a very, very strict background. You'd never go near a pub and you certainly wouldn't go near a betting shop. And when he began to understand a little bit more about how he needs to get out and meet with people and share his faith with them, he said, Pete, I can remember the first time I walked into a pub. He said, I was terrified. He said, I was in my early 20s and I hadn't got a clue. Well, what do you do? Where do people go? And after a while, as he sat there, because nobody spoke to him, he began to, oh, I think you go and get a drink up there. Think about it. Our churches are alien places to so many people. And if you have a disability of any shape or form, and actually most of us have in some shape or form, then they're terrifying places. Suddenly the whole congregation stands up to sing a song and it's blasting out. And maybe it's too loud for you. What do you do? I was at a conference recently, a festival, and somebody with autism had asked if right on the back row they, the stewards could keep a chair for them. And by the way, could I, could I have some of those ear defender things? Okay, that's another story. But yeah, no, but it is. And he, oh, but he was told, you can't have those, they're for the children. Well, no, that's not here. It's not here. It's not here. I, I'm sorry, it wasn't here. <laughs> it may happen, but it wasn't here. You see, we can make assumptions. and Well, we, we planned for the children with special needs, but you're an adult, you don't need that. Well, actually, do you know what? I was in our meeting this, mo this morning. I put a pair of air, def air defenders on because we were explaining something. I didn't realise how good they are. Oh, wow. That festival, I think I might buy myself some. Yeah, it was very loud. But, you know, we, need we can ask people what they need. How can we help them to feel more at home? Did you know that only one-third of adults with learning disabilities, these are ones that are registered, can actually read well enough to take in the words on a printed notice sheet or up on a screen? That's a lot. 1.2 million people. That's a lot of people, a third of them. Dear friend of Christine's and mine in the church we used to be in St Albans, he'd come along to the group that we had in our own church, but his own church, an Anglican church, bless them, they recognised that he was very good at welcoming people. So that actually made him a sidesman. One Sunday afternoon, once a month, we had our meeting for guys with learning disabilities and he got in the car and he was really grumpy. And he wasn't normally grumpy, was he? We were, well, what's the matter? Church was shut this morning. Shut? What, didn't anyone tell you? Well, no, we spent all morning walking around and trying to ring people to find out what had happened. 
Eventually I found somebody and they said, well, didn't you read the notice on the door? We're up the road at the other church this morning. And he said, but I can't read. Made assumptions. We can all do it. Yeah, we have a guy in the church we're in now, in Newbury. And he will say, I've forgotten my glasses. Could you read this for me? And actually one day, very gently, we said to him, can you really read? No, would you help me to? And then when he heard, which I'll tell you about in a minute, this version of the Bible, he said, oh, well, that, does that mean I can now read? No, but we might be able to help you to a little bit. You see, we want to be belong. What did I say at the beginning? What's the cry of the human heart? To be part of what's going on. And when we all stand up and sing songs that are up on the sheet that we'd never heard of, perhaps, but we can sing them eventually because we can hear the tune and read the words. If you can't, we're left out. We feel left out of the community that should be the most loving and accessible community there is. The church of Jesus Christ. We use language that's rich and full, but we assume that everybody gets it. We've been using some or regular songs as well as some songs that are written for adults with learning disabilities. But we don't sing every verse of the hymns. We'll pick the verses that actually help us to understand the message that we're getting over that day. So we sung, actually, we've been singing Christmas carols this morning. Hey. Because we were looking at the peace of God. And God's peace came to us at Christmas. So we sang carols. Why do we only have to sing them at Christmas? There's some great Christmas carols. So we used them this morning because they were appropriate for what we were looking at. You know, I have to say this, but you guys are sitting very attentive and this is very long. <laughs> Concentration spans are short. So thank you for all staying awake. I must admit, when I saw one and a half hours without a projection and without putting videos in, I was like, oh, no. So thank you for staying awake. All right. But, you know, visual things, using sensory things, using flags, using dance, using all those sorts of things that so often our churches have steered away from. Maybe yours is different. I pray it is. But, you know, drama, you take any adult into a, a, a Bible story and begin to add it, act it out. Forget the learning disability. We've seen some amazing things happen in churches. Well, I mean, I think of one guy who hadn't spoken in front of a church for over 30 years, and we, he was Jesus sleeping the boat. We built up a wonderful storm that day. Hadn't got a learning disability, but he was in his 70s then, 80s. And as I said, I shouted. I had to, in fact, I had to scream into the microphone to say, be still, when Jesus stood at the back of the boat and told it to be quiet. Dear Eric stands up and started prophesying. <laughs> and he looks at me and went, where did that come from? He just got so into the story that he was there. He was part of it. So we had to do some teaching on what prophecy was, which was kind of fun. And he now, every couple of months, brings a word to the church because we taught him how to do that. But oh, it wasn't for him, was it? It was 
we were there because we work with adults with learning disabilities. Now we want to see church a place where we can all be part of it. It's not always appropriate to use drama, but sometimes it really helps. You see, at the end of the day, I do believe that everyone benefits when we try and make it open. So let me ask you a question. Spiritual gifts, what are they there for? Anyone tell me? Why do we have spiritual gifts? Bring more people into the kingdom of God. Yeah, that's one of the things. To share with people. To build each other up. You've got a great pastor, haven't you? It's taught you well. But it's both. To bring people together and to build each other up. Yeah. Why is it then that we exclude some people? Because they may not do it quite like we would expect. We need to find ways of affirming and finding out what people's gifts are. So that whether they can speak or not. I know one lady who actually leads the church in prayer through having worked through magazines and newspapers all week. She puts them onto a bit of paper and somebody that has a mild learning disability interprets what she has done and shares it with the rest of the church. Hallelujah. And she feels part of it. The church is built up and encouraged as they pray for things that are happening around the world. There are many ways that we can do it. I had the honour, I think that's the word, I was speaking at a WI meeting once. It's the one and only time I got asked to speak at the WI. And so I gend up, so at the Women's Institute. So I gend up on the Women's, thank you dear, yes. I gend up on the Women's Institute and I know that they sing one, one hymn. Anyone know what that is? Jerusalem, yeah. Um, they also have people on the rotor to do the cakes and do the catering. So I walked in and eventually I found out where I was allowed to stand. And then I thought, well, I'm okay. I've, I've just about got the first verse off. And we stood up to sing and there was no words. There was no accompaniment. And they all sang Jerusalem. Verse after verse. I just about got to the end of the first verse and I was stuck. There were no words up. They all knew it. And then it was... Um, we're a bit short on the caterers this week. Is there anybody here who could volunteer to help? And this lady, and the poor lady, it was the first time going. I could help. No, you're a new newbie. You can't help. And it was really just done like that. Now, I know why they were doing it. They wanted, they wanted to serve her and wanted her to feel part of what was going on. But I very clearly told her, you're new, so you can't help. We don't do that in church, do we? You think about it. Now, I very carefully, when it came to me getting up to speak and talk about learning disabilities in the church and spirituality, to actually say, I'm going to be really rotten now, but I'm going to explain to you why you make people feel uncomfortable. And I thought, any minute now, I'll get drummed out. And when I said it, they all went, no, that's not what we meant to do. And I went, I know you didn't. I get that. 
But I, I'd learnt the words to the first verse, but I didn't know any others. I didn't know you sung them. And there was nowhere I could read them, and I can read. But what happens if I couldn't? And somebody walks in for the first time, and forgive me, madam, I said, I don't know who you are, but you're told, no, you're new, you can't help. We need to engage people. We need to support people in their faith. I have the privilege of being an ambassador to Biblica. The reason being, and I do say, because Biblica is a... Oh, yeah, sorry. It's good job my wife's here, isn't it? She knows when I'm dropping off. (laughs) Yeah, go on. You can pass it around if you like. Biblica came to me a couple of years ago and said, "Um, why would you want a Bible that's more accessible? To which I went, why wouldn't you? And they said, well, if you had one, what would it look like? And I said, well, it would be a Bible where the the font is a decent size. Where when it says large print, it means large print, and you can't get had up by the Trade Descriptions Act. That the font is rounded A's, things, words, letters that are easier to read really don't do many capitals in it because capitals are hard to read. Do you know, it's a, we're very good as Christians at putting capital letters up everywhere. And they're one of the hardest things to read. Let's use lowercase. Still needs capitals at the beginning of sentences and things. I also said we don't want verse numbers in the middle of a sentence or a middle of a line. Pull them out. Put them at the side. Oh, by the way, you know all that stuff that you put in at the beginning that you have to because it's about the copyright and it's about the legal stuff and everything else? Yeah. Put it at the back. Why? Well, because people are trawling through loads of stuff, which, all due respect, is a load of rubbish when you're trying to read the Bible, but it's important that you stay legal. So why not put it at the back instead of the front? Oh, I said, and by the way, you know your competitors, the Good News Bible, they have some great adult pictures in it that aren't childish. We'd like some of those, but unlike the Good News, would you please put them with the stories? So that with the stories and not just anywhere in the Bible. So I said, oh, by the way, I'm also, I'd like a Bible that isn't for the disabled. I want a Bible that's accessible. And they went, Yeah, okay. Within an hour and a half of my conversation, an an email had gone off to America to the bosses. And within an hour of that, an email had come back and said, it's no-brainer, let's do it. By the way, also added, I haven't got any money either because I know they're a charity too. They need money to make it work. So they've worked with us. And that started while I was with Prospects. When I left Prospects, they asked me to be an ambassador. So it's still linked with livability. Uh, Torch Trust for the Blind, except they're not called that now. Torch, let's just say Torch. Um, And also Urban Saints, so children and and young people. But this version of the Bible also ended up because we didn't want really thick paper of having a grey tint to it. And guess what? Suddenly people who struggle with dyslexia can suddenly read it. And what was really funny is the marketing person from Biblica who worked with me 
she came rushing into me one day to say, my husband's thrilled to bits because he can read the Bible without the words jumping all over the place. We'd never thought of that, but it's helped him to read. So do have a look at it. You might pray that the funding comes in to do the rest of the Bible and that we don't need a, a big lorry to cart it around. But you can get it on EPUB and you can get it on um, Kindle. And uh, it's a, another version of Kindle. I haven't got it, but yeah, it's ePublisher. Yeah, the price is kind of very expensive, as you can see. 7.99 because I said by the way there's no point doing an accessible bible if the price is inaccessible so you might pray for the printers who are a christian firm in india who do all the printing of this and they're doing the first rerun because never ever have biblica known such interest in a version of the bible interest in prisons interested in lots of different places so it's got the tick which was an accessible bible not a bible for people with learning disabilities. There are a number of things on here that may help you, um, and do come and have a look at that afterwards. But just coming to the end, I think. I have got more time than I realised. No, you, you don't want me to say that, do you? I won't do too much more because I want to leave some time for questions. Consider as a church starting a small group. What I, I'm not suggesting is that you segregate people. I don't think it's either or, I think it's both. The church body as a whole needs everybody to be there and be part of what goes on. But in a smaller group, you can do things as I did with a youth leader in a way that I would never do on a Sunday morning. Believe me, there's some things that as a youth leader I tackled on a and the youth group, that if I ever did it the same way on a Sunday morning, I'd have probably got drummed out. But the young people needed to grapple with things in that way. And it's just the same with guys with learning disabilities, that you need to go into more depth, more repetition, much more than perhaps you would do normally. Because repetition is really helpful. Strangely, I would often tell um, church leaders in high Anglican churches that they do pretty well. I'm not a high Anglican, I don't particularly want to be a high Anglican, but the amount of repetition that they use actually helps people and helps them to feel part of it because they're hearing the same thing over and over. The songs that we're using at each of our meetings through this weekend will mainly be the same because the repetition just helps, but they're all picked to link in with the subject so that we're another way helping people to reinforce that teaching. So consider a small group. Remember the 20 and the 1,000. They're out there. How many more people in your community will you affect if they see you as a church passionate about reaching those that so often are left out of church and society? And as count everyone in, yes, there are only two of us at the moment, but we can offer you advice, we can offer you training. We've got two different training days that we run in different churches. Um, we have a newsletter that you can sign up for so you can hear about those things as they begin to come. Or you might invite us as a church to come and do some training. There's also a sheet at the end there, a double side of A4, 
that has little bullet points that just give you ideas of what you can do at every service just to help be more accessible. Not to change everything, they're just little steps that you can do that will help. Creative worship ideas. I've mentioned some of these already. Flags, streamers. But remember health and safety. Flags can be dangerous. Musical instruments. And I know tambourines are a worship leader's worst nightmare. It's even worse for the guy on the sound desk. But you know what? If it helps people to be part of what's happening, then let's do it. The use of dance. Now I say dance. Christine is not a dancer. Yet God has given us some amazing moves to different songs that help people again to engage with what is being said. We use uh, mainly Makaton signing. We, we don't. You do, don't you? Sue does. But Makaton signing to help, and that's keyword signing. It's not like BSL, although it comes out of BSL, British Sign Language. And it just helps people to feel part of it. I get people saying, well, we don't know Makaton, or, well, our guys don't use that. Do you know what? I reckon that you will find that there are people in your congregation and there are individuals with learning disabilities who will suddenly begin to take part, even if they're doing it all wrong. Don't tell Makaton I said that. But doing it all wrong because they're beginning to move or do something with what is happening around them. And if we can start to get people to engage in worship, be it a move or a flag or anything else, then it begins to help them engage. And therefore, no, we, we don't know everybody's understanding. But if we can find ways of beginning to unlock things, I know somebody up there who will know what's going on, even if I don't. And the work of the Holy Spirit that goes on. I'm often told, well, you can't have any times of silence in your meetings, can you? Really? Believe me, I've had some of the most precious silent times before God ever. In a meeting full of people, and I mean full, 70, 80 people, that have a learning disability, many who would spontaneously come out with noise, and you can suddenly have a time of silence when you know the presence of God has just come down in that meeting in a way that I haven't experienced anywhere else. And not boasting, but when people come past some of the things that we do, come past the room, and they'll come in because they can sense the presence of God, and they go, I don't think you realise what's going on in your meetings. Do you know what? They're probably right. But God is there, and God is working in people's lives. So what can a church do? Oh, sorry, I should say, don't forget sensory input and don't forget painting or drawing. I love post-its. Do you know what? You can draw on a post-it. You can write on a post-it. <laughs> you can leave it blank as well because God knows what's there. And he does because he knows what's going on inside us. So bringing this down to land before we open it up for questions what can your church do you can think about your language you can think about the words and the font that you use when it goes up on the screen 
And I know it's fashionable to have pictures up behind words. I know some people love to have, wait, moods, doesn't it? And it helps the mood. But you know what? If you struggle with reading, it's a nightmare. If you have dyslexia, you're completely lost if there's a moving waterfall coming down behind you. That's really difficult. Think of your sound system. And yeah, the, the noise. I mean, the festival we were at a couple of weeks ago, and I said, this main meeting is so loud, and I don't think it's because of my age. And I got told, oh, it's quieter than it was last year. We went into the main meeting on the last day to share part of the worship. When 300 children came in screaming and hollering when they shouldn't have done when we were there, some of our guys left because they couldn't cope. Now, if we'd known, we probably would have had ear defenders for them. But actually, they, they couldn't take the numbers either. And that's such a shame, because a lot of them really grew that, that week. Think of the structure, the who, the what, the when of what you do and why. Let it all have a purpose. And unlike me today, think of the concentration spans of people that are listening because it makes a lot of difference. So be welcoming. Provide safe places. Don't be patronising. It is so easy to be patronising to people that are adults with 40, 50, 60, 70 years of age, but perhaps of a mental age much, much lower. They're still adults. They've still got life experience. It may not be like mine, but they have that life experience. Never put people down, even the way you speak in them. Explain simply, clearly, concisely. Summarize a sermon sentence. Summarize a sermon in one or two sentences. That's a tough one. But I tell you what, most people remember the one or two sentences, even if they've forgotten the rest of it. And it will help people to take away what God is saying. It's a challenge to those of us who preach. Be prepared for disturbances. It will happen. Church will get messy. But you know what? I think actually church has got too clinical. We need to get a bit more messy in the right sense, still decently in an order, because that's the scriptural way. But I think sometimes what we think is decent and in order isn't quite what the scripture meant. The world is messy. If we are going to reach out and touch the lives of people who have very different circumstances to ours. Many of our churches are very white, very middle class. Oh, that they wouldn't be. That suddenly the world would be inside and the world would then be going in and out in what we do and what we say. This is a strange one. Finish at the published time. Do you know, for many of the guys that we work with and have the privilege of serving, they live in homes. The carers have shift patterns. Their meals are at set times. And we don't do them any disservice if they're having to be whipped out in the middle of a meeting because the carers turned up or the taxis turned up to take them home. Let's think of that. And actually, that's true for lots of us. And it's not quenching the spirit. We can plan, and the Spirit will work through the planning. 
and include people in the life of church in all that you do. I have a picture of um, peanuts, you know, Snoopy. And across it, it says attitude. They're having a dance. And it says attitudes can be contagious. Is yours worth catching? So what are we doing as Count Everyone In? Well, we're raising awareness. We get the privilege of meeting guys like yourselves and being able to talk about how the church could be, raising awareness. We run training to inspire and to equip. We support churches, and it's already growing from when we started last May. We also do the training and also some resourcing, and there's more to come. We just had a, a publisher come to us and say, let's talk to you about resources. You must need them. And we say, well, yeah, we do, because we haven't got the resources we used to have uh, from before. Um, and this is 10 of those. I notice there are some of their books on the book stand here. And so we talked through our journey with them and where we're going with Jonathan Carswell. And at the end of it, he said, I need to tell you that just the week before we met, his board had agreed that they needed to fund simple, accessible discipleship material for adults with learning disability that would be a pound a time. Hallelujah. So that's beginning to happen. Why do we do all this? We do it because, John 10, 10, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Isn't that what you want? Isn't that what God wants for each and every one of us? He wants us to have full and full lives. The challenge comes to us as we read in Proverbs 31 and verse 8 and 9. Speak up for those who can't speak for themselves. Speak up for the rights of all those who are poor. Speak up and judge fairly. Speak up for the rights who are poor and needy. And then Micah 6 and verse 8. The Lord has shown you what to do and shown you what is good. He has told you what he requires of you. You must act with justice. You must love to show mercy. And you must be humble as you live in the sight of your God. Just because somebody can't speak, or walk, can't hear, or see, doesn't make him any less a human being. We need to speak up for those who have no voice, or better still, find ways to enable them to communicate those attributes that they have in the life of the church. Look at 1 Corinthians 12. It says so much about the body, and says so much about what he would have us do as we work these things through. But I want to just leave you with this. What three things, when you go away from here today, would you do differently back at home? Maybe put a note down of those three things very quickly, and then we'll just have a, a time of questions. If you've got them jotted down, because if you're anything like me, you walk out that door and you'll forget. There's that sheet. It's up the end there that uh, will help you on your 
Sunday mornings. Um, if you want to have a look at what the, the training modules are, then there's uh, a couple of copies there for you to have a look at. And uh, if you want to sign up for the sheet there. Any questions? Yes, the, is there going to be the Old Testament? Yes, there will be. Um, it is a question of funding. Um, and Biblica are working through that at the moment. Um, this edition has sold out quicker than I ever thought. In fact, we've, I think we're down to the last 25, of which I have about 10 of them here. Um, but they're going to be reprinted with a few changes to the New Testament to come out in November. Um, and then... Hopefully, it won't be too much longer before that. But they've just been blown away by it. So the Old Testament will come. They are looking at other ways of producing it because you, you can imagine, if that's the New Testament, it's going to be big. Um, so it may be that they begin to issue it in book form um, so that it is smaller or actually produce another one that is slightly smaller font size but they don't want to go down too far because that size has so helped so many people. But thank you. Yeah, pray for it. Um, ooh, hold on. I can shuffle forwards. Excellent. Uh, what was I going to say? You'll come back to me in a moment. Uh, uh, is it possible like, to... Are you contactable afterwards? Because yep. I've got a few questions about. I've I seem to collect diagnoses for things up there like an unwelcome hobby, but uh, I want. I I really want to s set up something to do with what to do because I'm a blacksmith and it helps me a lot up there as well, and I'm just I need advice on how to do this. And the other thing was, <coughs> that's amazing. I found, I still found it's, I found it easier to read, but it, the font still swam a bit. Have you come across a thing called dyslexi font? Yes, we have. The trouble is, it belongs to somebody else. <laughs> um, that is actually Mencap's font, that one, um, which... They won't let me buy it from them either because I want to use it on everything that we do. But thank you for that. My car our card is up the end there as well. So just email us or call us. We'd love to chat. Okay. That one... I wish had been written when I started. The first half of it is all about learning. It's written by my previous boss. The second half is different chapters written by um, a person who is blind, a person who works with children with special needs. Um, and I can't remember it all now. I need to revisit. But it's lots of differing things. Um, but it's written really to help church to be more accessible. And when it was written, I said... I do wish you'd written that when I first started. It would have saved me a lot of heartache. Yeah. The other one it might be helpful or, or welcome. This is a, a, um, a friend charity, Through the Roof. 
all welcome a best practice guide to include disabled people in the life of the church, so that's general disabilities. This one is a welcoming place, particularly with autism in mind, um, so there's that one. And then it's actually a challenge to be a roof breaker in your church, uh, something that through the roof run, so that you actually become a roof breaker, thinking of the, the story of the, the person let down through the roof by his friends, and how you can be a champion in your church to uh, make a difference. We're, we are in the cafe, which isn't serving food or drink this week, um, but we're in there every morning from 9.30 to 10.45. We'll also be there tomorrow evening between 7 and 9. Um, so you might pray for us. That's the first off. That's all the way through the time that the main meeting's on. And then Sunday morning, we're there for two hours, 10 till 12. Um, so we'll have these things there then as well. Because unfortunately, we can't take cards. Sorry. Any other questions? Yeah, it's um, a year and a bit old. Um, we became Count Everyone In on the 1st of May. We're going through the process of becoming a charity and setting up with trustees and so on. And it's just one exciting journey. Um, uh, we, we're not looking for any work, but believe me, it's coming in. Um, and we have more festivals now than I used to oversee when I was director of ministry with Prospects, um, which is also scary when you think there's now only two of us. Um, and obviously wonderful volunteers, some of them are here today. Um, that come and work with us at those different festivals. But God is opening up doors that are just so amazing. Oh, right. Oh, well, that's, that's an easy one. Do you want me to answer that or are you going to? Yeah, I'll do it. Okay. When God challenged us over setting up on our own independently, we, we did another one of these but gods. And we said, we would like to be baton bearers. Um, we'll give it five years, God. Takes us beyond state retirement age. Um, we've already been going a year and a bit. And if I just say I was 64 a week before last. Um, so we're, we're well on the way to that. But we do not want this to be about Christina myself. This is about building his kingdom. So we want to hand the baton over to younger people, much younger who will take this where God wants to take it. And we mustn't be precious about that. We won't be, although it is our baby at the moment. But it's about building his kingdom, not building Pete and Christine's kingdom. So within three and a half years now, it would be really nice to not walk away from others doing it, perhaps be there as an advisory, but to have others that we actually hand the baton to and say, this is yours now, lead it as God asks you to lead it. So we would really value prayer for that. No, we don't. Um, there are guys here that you should talk to in the ark. Um, and I've forgotten her name. The lady, Rachel, um, uh, yes, Rachel in the ark. She keeps shouting our corner and we keep shouting hers. Um, and we're looking at ways in which we, we help people transition from younger to being older as well. But they can give you lots of information as well. We did a joint seminar two years ago 
Um, Yeah, it's good. But there aren't many. There's more people doing children than there are doing adults. Um, A good thing to look at is the Additional Needs Alliance. There's a leaflet there. There's a number of us as organisations, nearly all of them working with children, apart from Christine and myself. Um, But it's not an organisation. It's just coming together of different people from different backgrounds who are passionate about seeing children and adults with learned disabilities and physical disabilities part of the Church of Jesus Christ and being welcomed. We, we have training days that we call Know and Grow for one simple reason. We want people to appropriately for them come to know who Jesus is in what a form that might take and that they are also encouraged and supported in growing so that they are disciples of Jesus. And that's the challenge, because it's not always been able to speak as we are now. It's finding ways of building that relationship so that they play their rightful place in the body of Christ. And these guys on there want that for children as well. Okay. Well, thank you. Do come and have a look at the resources. Um, You don't have to buy, but it would be nice if you did. And um, if you wanted the newsletter, I think that's coming round. And there's business cards over there as well. Just before we get really excited and look at all the materials, I think it'd be really good to just uh, give great thanks to both Pete and Christine, not just for the seminar, but for serving us so well over commission this weekend. <coughs> I'd, I'd, I think it'd be great as well if you guys wouldn't mind. I mean, we'll be praying for you as you continue in your ministry, but I think it'd be great if you could pray for us. Pray for us that we might serve our local church well. Father, it's a real privilege to serve you and serve you amongst people that so often the church and society have pushed aside. Lord, I pray forgiveness for that and ask you that you would redeem those years. But Lord, I would pray for each and every church that's represented here, each person that's come because they wanted to know more. Lord, would you bless them? Would you encourage them? Would you send them away with a real passion and a real vision to see what they could do in their church that would glorify you and build your kingdom? Would they know your prompting? Would they know your pushing? Would they know your acceptance of them and the love for them as they seek to serve you? Thank you, Lord. Amen.